Okay. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the PowerCast. So today I have Isabel Hunt with me and Isabel has uh, so many amazing things that she's done in her life. She's an inspirational speaker, sociologist, author, and transformation coach. And she's been in business for about six years now. So she's done so many amazing things and I'm excited to get to know her more and to share her amazing journey with you as well. So thanks for joining us today, Isabel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to get to talk to you. Yeah. Um, so, And thanks for waking up so early as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my voice is still having that wake up sound. <laughs> a little hoarse. <laughs> um, so first off, can you explain a little bit about, I guess, your background of how you, um, how you started in business? Yes. It's actually more, I don't know, sometimes I'm not sure if I call it a business or a mission or Mm. both. And the reason is because the way I started this whole thing was when I was 12 years old and I had a prophetic dream um, in the middle of the night. Mm. I'm originally from Germany. So English isn't my first language at all. And I always had trouble with that language too. (laughs) But when I had this dream, I was speaking in English and I was on a stage and I was an adult, I saw myself as an adult and I was speaking to a couple of thousand people and I wasn't nervous at all. Mm. Like it didn't freak me out. It just felt like something I would do every single day. And um, that cool. just stuck with me. And as we all know, things how, man- how things manifest at that time or a couple years later, actually it was about two or three years later, I met my first real American. And when I heard him talk, I knew exactly that this is what I heard in my dream, that this is what I need to be going. And I always heard mm. something in my mind that said, if you want to create a big movement, you have to go to the US because everyone knows what's going on in the US. Nobody knows in the US what's going on outside of it. But um, <laughs> it's, it's quite interesting to actually experience it when you live here, how true that is. Actually. Mm. Um, very yeah. interesting. But when I was 18, uh, after I graduated high school, I came here for the first time. And when I came here for an exchange year, I was like, it feels like home. Was I maybe adopted? Like, this feels like where I need to be, where it should be, where I should have been all along. Um, obviously, mm. it was a joke about this option. I wouldn't necessarily yeah. tell my parents about it. <laughs> but they, I don't think they wouldn't, but they would like that much. But yeah. uh, it was quite interesting having to go back. I, I really felt like I lost that dream. Having to go back to Germany and getting my degree, I, I felt like something I, I lost on the way. I was supposed to be over there. I'm not supposed to be here. So I kind of drove myself into that um, negative mindset uh, to I should be mm. there, I should be there, I shouldn't be here. And I started studying economics, which, well, I got kicked out of university after two years. So <laughs> those who live in, in Europe know that that's a big deal because, well, you're not allowed to study anything or I'm not allowed to yeah. study anything with economics in Switzerland, Austria, and Germany, um, any um. German-speaking country. I don't know how long that lasts. Yeah. I think after almost, um, after 10 years, I probably could do it again. I don't know. <laughs> but I started okay. sociology and psychology, and that's where my background comes from. Um, okay. Um, I'm a, a sociologist, and, and I always was interested in the, the behavior and the 
the mind and how human beings work. I've started reading books like those in when I was 12, 11, 12, 13, when my dad started studying because I grew up behind the wall. So he wasn't allowed to study anything um, during the time of communism. But when he was able yeah. to do it, I was like, give me your books. <laughs> I love your books. I want to, I want to study the psychology. And um, that's kind of how I got into the whole mindset and the, the, the people mission. But mm, then yeah. after I graduated, I came back to the U.S. not really knowing how I'm going to do it, how I'm going to stay here, how this is going to work out. I just literally trusted that God would eventually open a door. And there were so many ups and downs. I moved from New York to San Francisco. I worked for people that lied to me, that betrayed me, that there was discrimination mm. involved. At some point, I ended up in the street, not knowing where I'm supposed to sleep the next night. But interestingly enough, mm. there was always someone somewhere that wanted to help me strangers that paid for hotel rooms that paid for um food people that let me stay with them to take care of their children for free and i was able to just like even i didn't even have to play with their children or anything they were just like just be okay with yeah. it we're gonna figure something out for you and yeah. Then I moved to Indianapolis. That's where I met my now husband. Back then, he didn't want to be my husband, so that was another problem. <laughs> I'm like, okay, at some point, I just need to uh, go back to Germany because this is not working. I, I got into the university here, and I didn't have $60,000. So everything I tried, like everywhere, I, I figured this is where I'm going to go. This is how I'm going to do it. It just kind of um, belly flopped and like, oh gosh, I don't know. Mm. I had to go to Canada and it was really interesting looking back how little I trusted my intuition in where I knew I was supposed to go and what I was supposed to do and where I was supposed to trust. I just didn't have that kind of mm. trust because I'm also very independent. Warriors tend to be very mm. independent. Um, and so I didn't want to listen to that inner voice and Mm. Um, right before everything seemed to be crashing down on me, like meaning I had to just bury that dream and go back to Germany. My husband came or my boyfriend came to me and said, I can't let you go. I'm worried that we do anything illegal, but I really want you to stay. I know you're supposed to be with me and I love you. And so two weeks later, we got married. We're still married after eight years. <laughs> <laughs> happily yeah well, um now we have awesome. a little boy too he's five but he kind of pushed yeah. me further into what i do today literally he said yeah. you need to do something that really drives you that that you're passionate about and somehow through a friend like how things always show up in our life right and uh, when you actually listen and learn to see things um a friend of yeah. a friend came to me and he said you know i don't know if you're really good not good, but if, if you're meant to do the counseling, I think it's too problem oriented. You're too much in the loop, in the down cycle of people. I really think coaching would be mm. something that you should look into. We have this program in Chicago yeah. for a whole year. If you want to take a look at it, it's one weekend a month, something. And it's like, all right, I take a look. But it was a lot of money too to pay for it. And my husband was like, you know, if it's meant to be, we're just going to trust that the money will be there and we're going to make it work. And he went with me for the first time. And he said, if that's not what you're going to do, I don't know what you should do. And what it is, the difference to that coaching program is that it's um, ontological, meaning that it's more based on the, on the spiritual 
not a religious, but a spiritual mindset, like really getting so deep to connect to your soul. And that broke me in a good way, but it broke me. I had totally identity crisis. I was like, I'm lost. I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, But at the same time, they built me back up and and I started to understand my gifts that I have being an empath, being highly, highly sensitive. I have very um, unique, um, interesting gifts that I can Mm -hmm. use when, when I work with clients, but also helping other visionaries and world visionaries that the empath, the gifted um, people to understand how to use them for a greater good, to really use them in service of not just yourself and creating a business, but also in service of a world society. Like they literally, they think on, on stages, on world stages like that's how they just experience the world we're not really good with details <laughs> um yeah so that's that's how i got into and and then i just realized that the emotional part of who we are is literally the foundation to everything if, if we ever want to see a difference in the world we all have to retrain our brain and how we relate to emotions in general and that's why i became so Definitely. really passionate about this topic and so when people say what is your business like actually it's a mission i'm really on a mission mm, so yeah i got where i'm at today and today yeah. i do what i what i dreamed about 12 uh, 20 years ago when i was 12 years old yeah okay over 20 years yeah yeah awesome awesome and how did you start trusting in your intuition and trusting in yourself um the start started (laughs) it actually began with at my deepest point i'm a lowest point Mm. i think often we think we can control everything we can make things work we can handle it we can fix it we can figure it out and when you get to to the lowest point where there's nothing in your brain anymore in your body there's no strength left that's when you know something just needs to happen you need to just something and that's Mm. when you start to really listen that because there's nothing left in your head and i'm sure all of us have been to that point at some point in our life uh where there's nothing like you have no ideas anymore there's no creative spark left there's um no strength in your body you're just tired and exhausted so there is nothing in the way for you to actually hear that whisper the the soul Mm. whisper and and that's where I was like, oh, oh, there's actually more. There's something else that can yeah. actually guide me. And I didn't even listen. So it was yeah. the lowest of the lows um, where I really had to acknowledge that there is something like intuition, something bigger. Even though I grew up in a Christian family, so I knew there I grew up with it knowing that there is a God, but it was just a different understanding of what God is and who God is and the spiritual part of it, the universal part of it It was just a different Mm. feeling about it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think as well, um, and I love that you mentioned about the whisper and all of that, because that's um, what I've like, I really focus on that a lot and uh, have that's come up in videos that I've watched recently as well. Um, But I really think through my journey and the work that I do with clients as well, I can relate to everything you're saying around 
what I'd like to add to that is that when we're so busy and when we are just doing all the time, we can't hear that whisper. And the the whisper or the intuition might pop into our head, but we kind of push it down and just keep doing. But when you slow down and actually tap into your being, you can hear it and you can hear everything you want and you can actually listen to it and take action from that place because you have the energy to be able to do so. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. Mm. Yeah. So how do you, um, cause you obviously from the way you've been talking and what I know about you, you sound very spiritual and in, in the work that you do, mm-hmm. how do you match the, the spiritual visionary stuff, which is kind of like, you know, our crown chakra going up to the universe. How yeah. do you match that spiritual um, big picture side, but then also ground it to be able to take consistent action? Because I know a lot of spiritual people that are heads in the clouds, not taking action. <laughs> and then there's Why the we call of- that spiritual bypassing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then there's a lot of business owners that are hustling and pushing and just in the groundedness of taking action, but they're yes. not connected. So I'm interested to know for, for you personally, how do you connect the two? And it is that. definitely, yes, that's, a, that's definitely an interesting balance act. Um, I can see both where a lot of people don't use the spiritual part to create any businesses. And then there's the opposite where, like you said, people mm. just do their rituals and then think everything will pop up. But I think real true yeah. spirituality, if you really are connected to your heart and to your soul, um, you always feel some forward movement, some pushing, something that you're supposed to do. And for one, I work with my own coaches because otherwise I probably, there is a possibility that I would get stuck in either way. I'm very independent. I'm very driven. So I could get stuck in the hustle and I have in in many ways. And my, my dad knows about that very well. He was the one who always had to get me out of it um, during high school. But there's also that that um, comfortable part of the spiritual, like, yeah, it sounds better just to dream or just to do my rituals and just hope to show up, um, especially when you're tired yeah. from the hustle. So it's a really narrow balance act that you have to go through and that you have to practice. Mm-hmm. What do I hear and what yeah. is the action I have to take on this? What like and, and yeah. interestingly enough for me, the more I grew, the more my audience grew, and the more I, I really was out there, the more I had to rely on the spiritual part of it. The more I had to withdraw. People always say, or what what I hear a lot is people say to me, I, I feel like I'm moving two steps forward and one step backwards when I try to create something big. It's like no, that's not true. It's two step forward. Mm-hmm and one step inward. It's the more you're Mm -hmm. out there, the more you have to connect back inward because the more balanced you need to be and the more grounded you need to be because you you get all those voices and critics and um, judgments that are opinions that are being thrown at you, the more you're out there. So the more you have to ground. And that is, oh, Every day I I struggle with it because, of course, according to social stigma, you have to work hard if you get somewhere. And so doing Mm. the opposite of that is, oof, it's like, I can't, it doesn't, 
it does no I can't but it does feel right but your brain is like no you shouldn't so it is definitely a balanced act and I think how I do it on a daily basis is that I have my times um, scheduled where I have my times of stillness and my times of action. And when I get to the yeah, times cool. of action, I go back to what did I hear during my meditation or what showed up what I just read um, that, I, that I'm called to implement today. And we call it, and, and you know, you probably have, I mean, you're talking about it too. So um, the divinely mm. inspired action. It's interesting mm. because there's so many, I should do those things on a daily basis, but I've realized if yeah. I really dig deep and understand why I do certain things, why I do them, um, like even just answering emails, there are days where I'm like, I doesn't feel inspired at all. Like I don't want to answer. <laughs> yeah. And then I just write an article, but yeah. interesting enough, the next day I am, I feel inspired to answer those emails because my why changed for that day. I want to connect yeah. with those people. Totally. And so when I do yeah. that, I actually see the, the success happening. And like I said, there mm. are days where it works better and other days where I struggle too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. And you touched on it a little bit. What do you do on a daily or almost daily basis with um, you mentioned meditation. What are some of the things that you do to tap into your intuition and your spiritual side and uh, creativity? Yeah. Um, the, the most important is, and that my whole family knows about it, and that's why actually nobody's coming in right now. They're always <laughs> quite resistant, is that when I get up in the morning, I need time for myself. Yeah. I get ready. And then I have uh, 30 to 45 minutes where I just lock the door and meditate, just focus on, yeah. on something specific. Or sometimes I'm just sitting here like, okay, I have no thoughts. I don't know what I want to do today. Just bring it. Yeah. Um, those are usually the scarier moments because when I say bring it, that means I'm probably supposed <laughs> to do something outside of my comfort zone that day. Um, yeah. But even throughout the day, I... I always remind myself, I think sometimes we think we have to separate spirituality and action and mm. people see it as this, this is what I do. And, and then the next hour I'll do this and that, but spirituality mm. is who you are in the moment. It's not just about yes. a certain time of a the day. There's specific exactly. things that help you to connect deeper, different exercises mm but it really is just who you are in the moment. So I take it every day, like, who am I right now? How do I want to respond to certain things coming from my essence? How do I want to experience the world? I think spirituality is often about choice, mm. the choice in how we want to see the world and how we want to connect with people on a, on a deeper level. And so every day I choose, how do I want to respond to my son right now when he feels angry? How do I want to respond yeah. to the person at the grocery store? And so those are internal spiritual actions that I take every single hour of the day. Sometimes I'm more aware depending on how stressed I am because I haven't taken care of myself or ignored certain signs, then usually... Mm. 
you tend to not be so much aware and you just go by and you just, Oh, whatever today just sucks. <laughs> um, but most yeah. of the time I really do choose to, to have that awareness and I get overwhelmed yeah. very easily when I'm yeah. with people. I'm this intro extrovert, the MB vert. Every test is in the middle. Like <laughs> no matter what test I do, it's always in the middle. So there's not yeah. really a definition or a label that I want to or can put on myself. But because I get so um, overwhelmed with things that come at me, I have to be more aware if I don't want to fall into bed at six o'clock at night and say, ah, oh, I'm, I'm sick. I'm not, I can't handle the world anymore. So I had to yeah. learn to, and practice to make it a routine to really be present. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. And it ties into what I always say. My, my definition of self-care is it's not going for a massage or going and getting pampered or doing, doing anything. It's within my being. So self-care yeah. to me is listening to my mind and body and giving it what it needs in any given moment. Yes. And, and I think that ties into self-worth as well. Um, self-worth is um, basically knowing that, loving and accepting all parts of yourself as a whole. So yes. it's not going, Oh, I love these parts of myself, but that's like a negative or that's a weakness or that's a flaw. It's like loving all of yourself as a whole because you're not broken. Right. And mm. it doesn't mean that we can't improve either that we just have to accept whatever we show up as. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I think what a lot of people misunderstand, especially to nowadays, there's this whole conversation about self-care is not biblical and blah, blah, blah. Um, where it really, when you do connect to that place of your heart, there is mm. nothing self-centered around it because you mm. always come from a place of connection. If it's mm. with yourself, I, I say to people, if, if you're trying to, to find a partner in life and you have so many things that you're so unhappy with in your life, you will always look for that person who will fill the hole. And that's yes. why that self-care is important and why that, that connection is so important. And you yes. automatically want to improve. You don't just want to be okay with, oh, yeah, that's a flaw. I'm just going to accept it. And people just have to deal with it. Yeah. No, that, that's not exactly what we're talking about. I think that's often hard to, to, to wrap their mind around for people who listen to, to anything that has to do with spirituality. Mm. And I think that's a, that's a really good point. Um, because when you're not connected within yourself, like you said, you will find that with someone or something else, mm -hmm. which is why I think so many people are addicted to social media or binge watching Netflix or drinking alcohol every night or in a relationship that they're not a hundred percent happy in because they're scared to be alone. It's like you, if you don't heal that wound within yourself, you're constantly going to try and find that connection yeah. from someone or something else. So yeah, that's a really good point. Um, yeah. I'm interested to know as well, how did you get into speaking and can you talk a little bit about what you've done in that area? How did I, I don't think I got into it. It was someone, something pushed me into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, I had that prophetic dream and growing yes. up, I was always an introvert. Like 
you wouldn't find me anywhere in front of people. And there was actually a very significant point in my high school years where I was supposed to um, give a talk in front of a class in English. Oh gosh. I was like, no, no I don't like it. Um, today it comes naturally, but it was a, a, a really huge humiliation because I had an absolute meltdown in front of a class. I was literally paralyzed. I was crying. I was begging to be able to postpone this talk. And it, I never mm. saw myself at that point on stage because I really, like, I was like, it's, it's not for me. I always freak out. I, I, I'm worried that I forget the words. And I was always afraid that I would have to endure this awkwardness and embarrassment again, especially on a bigger stage. But mm. once I turned 18, I don't know what it was, but something happened when I turned 18 that suddenly I found myself being an extrovert. I loved connecting with people. Mm. And it, it, it was like someone switched a button. I don't know. I, I can't even explain it. It just suddenly was there. And especially when you leave on your own and, and you know that you've been traveling a lot, but when you're 18 yeah. and you leave the country and you go overseas, so you're really far away from that safe space that your parents gave you for so long, you don't really speak the language. Uh, there's something yeah. that, that just changes inside of you where you suddenly, maybe it's your survival instinct that, that pushes you to heights that you never even thought you could go to. But you have to start mm. to stand up for yourself because nobody else does. Nobody is around you to help you. You find yeah. a way to make things work. And yeah. from, from there, I really realized how much I do like being in front of people and presenting an idea, presenting an, an opinion that I have in the way that people can connect to it. And over time, mm. especially when I came back or when I went back to Germany and I, I started my studying, the one that I actually really like to do, I realized that I rather was talking in front of a class and hold um, and, and ha held a talk than mm. writing papers. And so I just chose that over and over. Yeah. And there were a lot of classes where I had to do it in English. And because of my experience here in the U.S., I felt confident and I was ahead of, of others. So I, I think that's how I established the confidence speaking in English because mm -hmm. there were a lot of people in front of me that didn't understand a word of what I was saying. Um, and it feels yeah. good to me. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like I, I have something that you don't have. And it's kind of like how I created the confidence around it. But when I came back mm -hmm. um, for good, it just presented itself. People were like, hey, your story is really interesting. I want you to talk to my students. I want you to come and um, to speak at this church about what you just did. And that's just how I kind of slipped into it. You know, when you're called to do something, at some point you there's yeah. no way that you can avoid it. It's just yeah. <laughs> someone comes with the hammer right, and yeah. is like, you know you're supposed to do this and, and you can't avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah awesome and so what advice would you give someone who is maybe facing some obstacles or blocks at the moment they know what they'd love to do but they're they're scared to put themselves out there oh just do it just jump <laughs> especially if you're if you're scared like 
there are often reasons why you're scared to put yourself out there. And I think it's time, if that's the case, and it's time to take a look at those stories and those belief system that keep you from putting yourself out there. Like for me, I have interviews and I mean, so far I've been doing close to a hundred interviews just over the last year and a half, which includes TV, radio, and podcasts. So people sometimes ask me, is there anything that I shouldn't touch on that you don't want to talk about? It's like, no, like there is not really, <laughs> there's not really a secret about me. I wrote a book where I, where I talk about a lot of what I've gone through. I talk about a lot of intimate moments, things that scare me, things that don't work. So there's really nothing that I don't share. And at some mm -hmm. point you get to the, to that mindset where even critics don't face you um at least not as yeah much. and you're just like okay well it doesn't work with them or it doesn't speak to them and yeah and every time i was at this at this place where i had to take a leap and where mm -hmm. i had to jump i realized that i don't remember those moments because i just jumped mm -hmm. i didn't even like you know, where you were in your head and like, should I do it? Should I not do it? Should I do it? Should I do it? And then you just like, yeah. oh, fuck that. I just do it. And you just do yeah. it. And then you realize yeah. oh, it wasn't even that bad. But you don't remember yeah. how you jumped. You just jumped. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I love that because it's like the more you think about it, the, the harder and scarier it feels when you just yes. do it. You realize there, that it actually wasn't that bad. Right. And I, I always think, um, you know, there's nothing special about me. I'm unique in who I am, but there's nothing special about me. Other people struggle in similar ways mm. or in different ways. It doesn't matter. We all get to that point. So for me not to, to, to get out there and not to, to speak up or do what I love to do, mm. I just hurt myself, mm. you know? It, I I don't even sometimes people say like what is the exact step that I need to take to get out of this funk it's like there is not really a, a step there are not steps that you need to take because it just depends on if you're gonna take steps <laughs> um, any kind yeah. of step just choose something one thing at a time that brings you closer to um, to, to jumping the big jump and yes definitely like, for example, just yeah. envision that picture. You're standing on a wall. The wall is pretty high. And you're standing up there and you're looking down. It's like, dang, that's too high. I can't jump. The first step mm -hmm. that you might need to take is bend down. Go on your knees. Because once you go on your knees, it's not that high anymore. <laughs> and you yeah. might actually be like, well, actually, I can do it. Then maybe just yeah. have your, the next step, have your feet hang over the wall and sit there for a while. Get used to that view. And then you're like, you know what? It's really yeah. not that high anymore. And then you might just say, okay, well, you know what? It's just a foot high. Once I have my feet dangling down, it's not that far. I can jump. And then you jump. And then you look back like, well, that wall wasn't that high and in the first place. Why yeah. was I even so worried? So yeah. take little steps to... If, if you, especially putting yourself out there, um, mm. start out with one social media platform and then add another, talk to a small group of people and then see if you can get a hundred people in front of you. 
Mm. instead of starting with a thousand so your brain recognizes too like okay there's actually no danger i'm actually okay i'm safe because that Mm. fight or flight still comes in especially when we take big leaps so it's not always about taking the the biggest step first it's about just doing something even if it starts with one other person that you share your message with and exactly. I think that's where a lot of people already stop. They have this mission. They have this message in your head. They are passionate about something, but they don't even talk to anyone about it, not even their spouse. I had so many people that mm. where their spouses don't even know what they want to do. It's like, well, yeah, well. that might be the first thing to start out with <laughs> and, or even just yourself. And if we time, exactly. And if we tie that back into the intuition and what what you were talking about before, the more you talk about what you want and your vision and your mission and the things you want in life, then you're going to attract that in because not only is it what you're focused on, but then people will be drawn into your life by telling them about it. Yeah. I, I know for me lately, I'm stepping more into the spiritual side of things um, in doing ritual and ceremony and um, inner power and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's something I wouldn't have even spoken about probably 12 months ago. And I'm attracting all these people into my life that are interested in the same thing. But if you're not focused on it or having these conversations, then you're not going to attract the people of the opportunities in. Right. Well, and I, the, the, the psychological, scientific reason, it's not even just the spiritual thing of it, but you always try to find confirmation for what you think is right in your head. Like if you, if you think about, Oh, this is people going to judge me about that. And I'm not supposed to do this and I can't do this. You will always look for confirmation on the outside. Why this is true, why you should not be doing that. And the more you talk about it, the more it becomes real to you, the more it becomes something that comes natural to you. And then you start to yes. listen to those confirmations. You only listen to people where you start to listen more to people who confirm um, that, hey, it's actually a really good idea, uh, where there's mm. still the same amount of people who tell you, no, it's not a good idea. It's total crap. You shouldn't do that. But it's because your focus is different, you don't even hear them anymore. And that's the difference. Yes. Like psychologically, that's why science and faith work so well together. Like I describe in my book, The Power of Faith-Driven Success, where I bring the science mm. part and the faith part, the spiritual part together, and why it does make sense and why we cannot separate the two. Um, mm. Where a lot of well, religious people say you can bring the science into religion and science people say you can bring religion into science. So I actually say, no, it is, it is working. It does make sense. Just take a closer look. And yeah. yeah. So you confirm, you try to look for confirmations everywhere, no matter what decision you make and what choice you make, you find the confirmation of what you just did. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. So it's been great chatting with you and thanks so much for sharing your journey and, um, and, and everything that you've shared. Uh, where can people find you um, online or? Yeah. Yes. Well, the easiest way to find me, because I work with a lot of people who feel overwhelmed, who already have the, the emotional roller coaster going for them. So I try to keep everything simple, which is the most obvious my website is abahan.com i-s-a-b-e-l-h-u-n-d-t.com where you can sign up for my free um, guide it's called the um 
the emotions guide to success. Yeah. Which gives you an, an idea how you can use your emotional roller coasters to mm -hmm. actually create success in life, mm -hmm. uh, which is a very powerful approach to how we live life and how we understand life and how we connect with people. Um, but there's also where you can find out how to work with me, especially if you consider yourself someone who is highly sensitive, but also visionary. And there's also where you can find about my speaking and what I speak on and um, awesome. everything you need. Anyone awesome. And I'll drop the link below as well. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, hope you have an amazing day and uh, it's been great chatting with you. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. That's all right.